but I, I I never realized that they don't switch off as much as I thought they would on a Crosby, Stills, Nut, Crosby, Stills, Nash, Nut. Young Nut. album. No. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! Miss that one, huh? You missed that one. <laughs> well, I can't hear anything. Well, I mean, you usually hay after I hay. So, whatever. You, you messed up. You messed well, maybe up. Maybe you lied and you came in late. Oh, you keep late. I never come in late. Um, this is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we take a different artist, a different album, and we break it down. We find, we find out all the secrets about it, and we let you guys know about it. And uh, yeah, go to Apple Podcasts, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. We have a, uh, a phone number you can call, leave us a voicemail, send us a text. That phone number is 503-893-5307. We have a Discord server if you want to join that, hang out with us. Uh, let us know what you think, how awesome we are. Oh. My name is Tyler, oh. and the guy oh. yawning on the other end, oh. hundreds of miles away, <laughs> is Jeff. He's having a blast. So... Jeff, what are we doing today? What album are we doing, doing today? Deja Vu by the Crosby, Stills, and Nashes. And Young. And Young's. I'll light the fire. You place the flowers in the vase that you bought today. Staring at the fire for hours and hours. Crosby, Stills, and Nash were a group formed in Los Angeles, California in 1968 by David Crosby, Stephen Stills, and Graham Nash. The group have put out eight full-length records, five live records, seven comps, and have sold well over 70 million copies worldwide. The album we're doing today is called Deja Vu. It is the group's second album, and it was released March 11th, 1970. It's the first album with Neil Young, 
after he joined the group in 1969. It's their most successful album, selling well over 14 million copies worldwide. Now, Jeff, what is your origin story with Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young? What do you got? Go. I really have no origin story with Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young until like recently. At, at camp, people would sing Cinnamon Girl by Neil Young and a couple other Neil Young songs, but I've never, I've never like dove into Neil Young's music aside from like three songs that I, that I know. And it wasn't until we started collecting and I listened to, it was four way street by Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. And I liked that a lot. And then I listened to Deja Vu and then I got into the Crosby, Stills, Nash stuff, which I don't like. If, if Neil Young's not a part of it, I'm not a fan of it. And then from there, that's when I started getting to Neil Young. And I was just, I was fucking blown away by how many Neil Young songs on multiple albums that I know. Just, I, I cannot fucking believe it. I still cannot believe it. And then you get deeper into Neil Young and, and just like his lore and, and all of the things, all of the albums that he's done and the different backing band that he's used. And man, he's just so cool. So if it wasn't for Neil Young, I would not, I would not be as involved with Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young as, as I am. Which I'm not even yeah. really that much. I only have, I have two. I have Deja Vu and then Four Way Street by Crosby, Stills, Nash Young, but I've had like five of their albums. And I don't, I don't, I don't like them without Neil Young. Makes sense. Makes did sense. you did you listen to anything besides Deja Vu by by Crosby, Stills, Nash Young? No, I only listened to this one, and then like we did an album rankings, the the first solo record for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But yeah, I I just didn't I didn't bother because. Yeah, I will say Four Way Street. I'll, is, I'll get into it. I'll four get into four it. Way Street's their live album, and it's fucking good. It is, is it? Is it all four? Yeah, of them? it's all four of them. I think Four Way Street okay. is better than Deja Vu. Hmm. And it, well, it's hard to say. I mean, it, it's it's a live record. It's not. It's hard to compare that. Well, I just did. I said it's better, so it's better. Well, yeah. well, that's well, stupid. It's fact. That's, that's silly boy talk. Mm, that's fact. That it's fine. It's fine. Okay, so so that's your origin mm-hmm. story yep, right that's there. It. Nothing. Nothing. Yep. Okay. My origin story with uh, with this group is the Woodstock DVD or video or movie, I should say. That that was the first time I I had heard of the group. Uh, this is like right after high school when I worked at Tower Records because I got the DVD when I worked at Tower Records, and uh, yeah, and I just they, they didn't wow me. I didn't care. It wasn't my thing at the time. You know, I was eighteen, nineteen years old. Just didn't care. And I never listened to them. I mean, I always knew who they were. I always knew who David Crosby and Neil Young were, but never got into their music until we started collecting. And I think what you you got me Deja Vu maybe six months ago, and I I, I had zero expectations, and I I loved it, absolutely loved it. And then you also gave me a, a few Neil Young records, or the three Neil Young records I have you gave me. And, uh, and so I threw those on and I fucking fell in love with them. I, they're just, they're so fucking good. And I will say, I stand by this a hundred percent after the gold rush is better than deja vu. The Neil Young record after the gold rush is better than this record. I mean, that's not a, I, I, I also agree. I think that's, that's fair. I, I, I think deja vu was just groundbreaking kind of for its time and, and, like a super group coming together of this magnitude blew people's minds. But yeah, after the Gorge is better than Deja Vu. Yeah. It's, it's fucking wild. And they're all really good singers and they do harmonize really well with one another. They all sound, nothing sounds jumbled. Nothing. It just sounds perfect. This is, 
this is such a good record. It, it, it's remarkable that for these four guys, four really ugly guys, um, sound this good together. It's it's truly remarkable. So yeah, that's my origin story, and that's kind of my first impression of this record. I was I was honestly blown away by it. Really, really was blown away. It's it's a fantastic record, uh, and you you agree with me on that as well, right? Yeah, I, I think this record is amazing. I love this record. Yeah. So you don't do you have any stinkers on this one? No. Okay, I don't either. Do you have any okay songs? Yeah. Okay. Wait, wait, got, let's go through your okay songs. What do you got? I think I got two, maybe one. Let's see. Okay. One. Well, no, what? just one, I guess. Yeah, just one okay song. Which song is that? Uh, Our House, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the song we just played, the most popular yeah. song off of this record. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any stinkers. I don't have any okay songs. I think every song's a banger. But... My 10B is Our House. I think it is the worst song. But it's still okay. really good. So we might yeah, as well jump into that. Yeah, it's, it's fine. This is, um, so like, there were, I don't even know where to start because there was, like you said earlier, there's so much bickering, there's so much whining. <laughs> so it was rare to get all of them in the studio at the same time to record together. It was just always like splicing shit and Neil Young even wouldn't even show up to the studio. He would just do it on his own and then send it in. And it was, like, it's all just so dumb. Mm-hmm. So there's writers and there's singers on each one of these songs. And this one was written by Nash, Matt Nash, <laughs> dumb. written by Nash or Steve Nash, if you uh, want yeah. more popular or Nash skateboard. Remember Nash skateboards? No, I don't remember Nash skateboards. Yeah. Nash were skateboards local? were like, no, they were like the equivalent of like, like, like if you wrote a Huffy or, or, or a Mongoose oh, in the nineties, okay. yeah. like you were like made fun of the loser brand. Yeah. Yeah, that was the Nash boards, <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, it, this is this is this is Nash, and it's just it's a weird Nash. poppy tune. I think it's very Beatles sounding. Uh, the the harpsichord that is used in there, I, I think that's dumb. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but overall, it's just eh, it's whatever's. Agreed. This is uh yeah, like I said, this is my ten B. I I also wrote you know this is very very Beatles esque. It could have easily been something off of. I wouldn't know, not Sgt. Pepper's. I don't know. I don't know what album this could have been off of, but it does have, it's very Beatles sounding, which makes sense. I mean, Beatles were the biggest band in the world at this time. Um, well, it's very. Nash is from England. Right? Well, yeah, He's from that, the that UK, somewhere over there. I don't know. <laughs> and the song itself is, it's just very bouncy. It's a little comical at moments. I mean, and it's very simple. It's a very simple song, especially the la 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 part. It's. That's that's the part that's very Beatles as well. On top of it being so bouncy, and kind of upbeat. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, the, the song doesn't really fit on the record, but it's still really good. It's still a really solid song. Uh, lyrically, though, what do you got on this one? Uh, you caught me mid drink there. Did you know I was taking a drink? Is that why you did that? That's exactly why I did it. Fucking guy. It uh, it's just tell, it's a telling of a story of how, particularly like how the song actually came about. The whole. Joni Mitchell thing and buying a vase and telling the story about the vase, but like ultimately it's it's more just a really happy song about at the time was a really happy relationship between Joni Mitchell and and, and mm-hmm. Steve Nash, <laughs> <laughs> Graham, Graham Nash, Graham Nash. It's just yeah, it's 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 a cute little it's a cute little number. It is. It is. It's fine. And to go along with the simplicity of the the sound of the song, it tells a very simple day common day of their lives of anybody's lives and i i kind of i i like how 
the music and lyrics go hand in hand. It's just, it's such a basic song. There's no, there's nothing deep about this in any way. And that's the genius of it. I, I think it's fantastic. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's about Joni Mitchell. It's about a day in their life. Fucking but, Joni Mitchell. So that's all I got on our house. It doesn't. It's not okay. not a deep song. So not a deep song. So let's go with our biggest bangers. What do you, what's your one B? Your biggest. Your one banger. Uh, helpless. Helpless. A Neil Young song. Track four. Okay. That I, I will say. Helpless is also my one B. Mm. So there you go. We're we're all we're all level right now. We're two for two right now. It's pretty crazy because. It's the fourth track, and the first one we have Stills, and then the second track we have Nash, and then the third one we have Crosby, and then finally we get to Neil Young. And the newest it's just, number. The first three tracks, though, they're all kind of pretty different in kind of like their own unique way. And you say, okay, cool, I, I like carry on. I can hear, like, this is definitely a Stills song. I, I, I get it. After listening to his solo album, yeah. like, you, can, you can hear his, his personal nuance to the song. But then you get to like helpless and it's so fucking far beyond anything <laughs> that the three other guys did. Like the I three know. other guys worked so hard to make their individual songs very unique. And then Neil Young comes in with helpless and it, he, everything's like half assed, but it's so far beyond iconic and unique to Neil Young than any of the three other guys could ever be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's very, uh, it's so jarring when you hear it because his voice is, is so high. And dude, it, it it comes out of nowhere. You just don't expect it because all the, the the first three songs are great songs. They're really really great. But this is just it's so different. I I love this song. It's easily the best song. It's so goddamn good. And I, I love the little subtle guitar lead parts and there's little other little keyboard noises, piano noises, and the song mm-hmm. just builds nicely on itself. Yeah, just but constantly it, building, but never too much. And it kind of like trudges along. But it trudges like in a very good way. Like it, like it, it's it's a slower jam, so it's just like uh, it, I can't even like I can't even try to mimic it. But it just kind of like moves along at a very steady kind of slow pace. But like you said, it does build upon itself. And uh, dude, his vocals are. It, it's not just his vocals, but the way that everybody else harmonizes with his. I don't. I, would you call it a falsetto that he sings in? I I, I don't know. But yeah. it, just everything they just complement each other so well. It's honestly it's he's great. like a pop punker. Like he's a nasally pop punker of this era. It's that's that's like the best way I can describe someone who's never listened to Neil Young. Mm-hmm. That's like what his his voice sounds like. Yeah, but better, honestly. And in this and this song specifically, he he uses so much vibrato in his voice to where it's almost too much. Like you're almost it's it's another instance where he he's constantly writing the line of being annoying like his voice is is so high that it's almost annoying but it's it's too his melodies are too good and the same thing with the vibrato it's so it's so much of it in the song to where it could almost be annoying but he just stops it just enough it's aggravating honestly it's, it's aggravating yeah <laughs> i just I, I i just could not believe like the way this album builds from song one two and three and they're all bangers, like like yeah, they're yeah. all top five bangers for me, and I just I think they're all so goddamn good. And you and you think, okay, Neil Young's coming next. What's he got? And it blows me away. 
<laughs> every fucking time I hear it, I'm like, wow. I know. This I'm is the same better. way. <laughs> I'm the same way. It's crazy talk. It's, 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 it's like, on a whole nother level. It's stupid. It's just like his, his after the gold rush, man, and Harvest. They, what are you they're doing? just those albums are just so good. <laughs> they're just so much better than this record, but this record is still so good. That just really shows you how great Neil Young is. I I, I can't believe I, I I have not gotten to Neil Young prior to six months ago. I I, just, yeah. I don't get it. He's he's too good. He's too fucking good. Very rare <laughs> is it where I can go and listen to the same record twice in a row, like back to back. That just never happens. But it fucking happened to me this week. Because he's like, like, how many people do you know say like, oh, who's your favorite artist? Oh, oh Neil Young, he's my favorite. Like, nobody ever says that. No, but everybody knows he's great. Yeah, exactly. He's just he's a guy that's been making music for a long fucking time, and and it's bizarre because every time we get into, every time I read like anything about Neil Young, it's like, oh, this is his best album. And then he comes out with another one. Oh, this is his best album. <laughs> and then this yeah. is his best album. Like, how many fucking best albums does he have? And it's, like, all of them are his best album. Yeah, they I, really I, are. After this week, I'm I'm probably gonna go and binge every one of his records. I'm gonna listen to everything. I mean, even the new stuff, it might be really good. I don't know. How how far how far into his career have you listened? To the eighties. Okay. Like mid eighties. And then what? It just got to Call them Men Ladies. The way goes up and the temp goes up to the mid eighties. Yeah, I just got to the like the mid eighties. And then I think they did another Crosby Stills Nash young record in the eighties. That I, I bought for three dollars. Well. Maybe it was in nineties. It was called like American Dream or something stupid, and it was fucking trash. It was terrible. What was wrong with it? Just like the the eighties production style, or what? It uh, it was goofy. It, it was it was like a clear cut <laughs> cash grab thing that you could tell nobody wanted to do. Like there was just zero enthusiasm, and this mm. album itself kind of doesn't have a lot of enthusiasm to it already. And so just imagine these guys bickering for the next 15 years and then putting oh, a record man. together. It's just, it's so boring and flat. Yeah. They, they, so it looks like they put out the four of them. Yeah. They put out American dream in 1988. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. It is not and, good. And then they're the last three dollars. The last one they put out was a 99. It's called looking forward. All four of them. Yeah. All four of them. And then they put uh-huh. out a live record in 2008, which they just played deja vu in its entirety. But the last oh. studio recording was of the four of them was 1999. Damn, damn, That's damn, damn. Mm. <laughs> but like right. Neil Young's never, never like he has a style, and he's never, he's never shied away from that style. And even, even all the live stuff, because I like, I like his live stuff best. Like Rust Never Sleeps, like the live things he does live in mm-hmm. Tuscaloosa with the with the Stray Gators. Oh, so good. Such a cool. Like name. I like, I like his live stuff, and it's not because. He's not like jammy, like the Grateful Dead are jammy, where it's long instrumentals that are technical and they go places. His stuff is just very basic. It's all just so fucking amateur. It's because like, he his melodies are so good. Like he he is, the, I think he's just a master at at, at vocal melodies. It, it's it's remarkable. Like he's not he doesn't overdo it like Freddie Mercury does. He just he just knows how to capture. I don't even know. I, I I can't even explain it. He's it really he's is just bizarre. a master it's, at the art. He's he's a master at the art that I can't explain it. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. He's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. Blown away. 
But anyway, should we play a little bit of Helpless? What do you What do you yeah, think? Yeah, play some Helpless. Before we move on. Because I assume we're probably going to talk about every song. I mean, yeah, it's like 10 songs. Yeah, there's not a lot. And, dude, they're so good. So here's, a, here's Helpless from uh, the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young's. There you go, helpless from Crosby Seals National Young. Man, when they when the other three come in, oh my god, they compliment them so well. I love it so much. <laughs> it's, oh, it's what a song. And it's so weird because they're all like none of their voices are uniquely iconic on their own. Yeah. And and they're all pretty run of the mill voices. They're great singers. They they sound fantastic together. They sound phenomenal. It's it's just I don't know behind unique enough behind Neil Young is is just it's it's unmatched. Like Neil Young is not not a guy that should be buried in a harm ever. He's a guy but that he, always should be in front. But he is great harmonizing too. He, he is. can harmonize so well. He can pull it off just as good lead as well as you know backup. Dude, he can cover every front. He's great he, so he, what do you got he really is he's like the perfect musician and he can rip it up on the guitar but he's not yeah. he's not like insanely good how like billy joel blew everybody's minds when the first time anybody would listen to billy joel rip it up neil young is just he's just good enough to be able to jam with damn near anybody but he's yeah. no like rock god but he's just really really good at everything yeah he really is he's fantastic i mean and then when reading about the, the history of this group he joined the group because they needed a keyboard player. Yeah. And uh, what was Stephen Stills? Stephen Stills and, and uh, Neil Young were in Buffalo Springfield together. And after that group broke up or the band broke up, that's when, you know, Stephen did the start of the group with, with the other two. And then, yeah, then they needed a keyboardist or piano player and they got Neil Young. And then Neil Young came in and fucking ripped it up with everything else he played. Not just the keys. He played guitar and he fucking has the best vocals in the group. Yeah. So I think even oh, just, just 
piggybacking off of that, I mean, I, I, everybody knows who Buffalo Springfield is. Everybody knows mm-hmm. that's not what's that. It's like everybody knows the biggest song yeah. that they did. Everybody knows who the birds are. Yeah. But like, I never knew that it was this, the guys from Crosby, Stills, Nash came from were pulled from these groups. I didn't know that either. And I, I never had heard, no idea until this week. And I've never heard of the Hollies. That that was Graham Nash's band. I've never heard of the Hollies. Till yeah, this, never heard of them either. Essentially, we started collecting, but I, uh, I I never knew they were pulled from like other groups to form a super group. But the groups they came from are fucking highly, highly influential bands. Yeah, they weren't yeah. just Especially besides the, the Hollies. But yeah, like the Birds. My God, dude, the Birds, and then Buffalo Springfield too. Like early psychedelic stuff in the mid to mm-hmm. like mid to late sixties, just crazy, crazy popular stuff. And then the, they all from different guitar in there, right? Yeah. They play guitar in the band as well. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, they're all like Neil Young's Canadian. Graham Nash is from, from the UK. And I think yeah. stills is from like East coast. And then, uh, who's the other guy? Crosby is, is like from, Texas or some shit. Oh, is he? I thought he was San Francisco. Maybe I, I guess I'm wrong. But they're all from like different areas and just how they all came about and like the whole thing of, of like Crosby or uh, Neil Young and, 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 and still seeing each other in traffic in LA and then him turning around in the hearse. And there's just so much lore yeah. with these guys. And, and I, I think and, yeah. their, their infamy is bigger than like their band just because True. everybody, I mean, I, maybe not everybody doesn't know, but because I, I didn't know how much bickering there was until this week really. And, fucking uh, five-year-olds, yeah, ten-year-olds. They're fucking ten-year-olds, like grown-ass fucking men. I mean, you either get along or you don't. I, I mean, what? Like, it just seems like bickering just for the sake of bickering and fighting. And then it seems like they're always going behind each other's backs, playing on each other's records. And then they'll get back together for a tour, but then they'll almost cut the tour short because they're fighting. It's like you never. Like, if you guys really hated each other, you never learn your lessons. Do you never grow up? Like, I, I don't get it. Fucking fifty years later, they're still doing this shit. Yeah, that, but like, that's, what was <laughs> that's how stupid like the music industry was and how petty it was. Because because David Crosby, who was in the Birds, maybe was well, maybe he was, was fired from the Birds because he, he played because he played with Buffalo Springfield. He did a little. He like was jamming with Buffalo Springfield on stage, and they're like, "Yeah, we're 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 battling bands. We're 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 vying for record sales with Buffalo Springfield. You shouldn't have done that." You're out of the band, and, and like that's so fucking dumb. Yeah, it's very dumb. This yeah. is like battle of the bands in high school. That, that's that silly talk. That's that's crazy. That's insane. And then what? What was it? Nash didn't want Neil Young to join the band because he he just he didn't know him well enough or something. It was something. It was kind of petty, you know. It was just like let we we need a keyboardist. Let's find somebody. And Stephen Sill says Neil Young can do it. I played with him. We got along. And then Nash was like, no. I don't know. No, blah, 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 blah. Like being all fussy about it. It's like, dude, like what, what do you expect? You know, <laughs> you expect every single person in this band to know everybody. You're from fucking England. How many people are you going to know here in the States? Fuck that guy. And as far really? as like, as far as like my top people are concerned, like I said, like the, my, my, I, who I think is the best guitarist, songwriter, singer, Nash is not, Top anything. He's he's the no, weakest he member of 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 the, of the group easily. Except maybe looks. He probably is the best looking. Yeah, he's of, he's the least of the ugly of all yeah, of them. Yeah, he's the least ugly. Yes, <laughs> he's the least ugly. <laughs> I mean, let, let's talk. About, okay, so David Crosby, obviously, I mean, come on, the ugliest. Yeah, all. that's by choice though. Like David Crosby's <laughs> the ugliest by choice. Neil Young's the ugliest just based off of what God yeah. gave him. <laughs> and that I mean that's a that's a Steven big difference. Stills, yeah, and Stephen, he's a. Forgettable looking. 
dude, Steven Stills just looks like every every like dad at a at a Pee Wee football game that's wearing the jersey <laughs> of the team that just is probably still hungover, maybe drinking a little bit. Like this is what he looks like. They're terrible. All right. So what do we have lyrically on Helpless? We haven't even we haven't even touched upon that. Yeah, this is uh this is so like Neil's got some like upbringing issues, right? Like his his yeah. early life. The he had polio. Yeah, I was going to say he <laughs> had polio when he was 6 years old. <laughs> like they moved to Jesus. They moved to Florida in the hopes <laughs> that like the warm weather would 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 help him recover faster. But like he had polio. And so Fuck. so he's just he was constantly moving from place to place. His his parents kind of divorced, but it wasn't like a good divorce. It was a little ugly because his dad was sleeping around with people, and so I, I think I think the song "Helpless" is about like he's talking about a town that he kind of grew up in, and how he feels that the town is safe, similar to that feeling like you get home from like a long road trip and you just, you walk into your house and you're like, oh fine, I feel safe, I feel peaceful, mm-hmm. but with Neil Young it's a little bit different because that same place that makes him feel safe and and at peace is also home to like the worst parts of his life. And that, that makes him feel helpless. That makes him feel like he really has no home. He really has no place that he can be truly safe. And that, I think that makes him feel helpless. And it's, I think it's fucking dope. I love it. I do too. I think it's, I think it's the most deep, any of the lyrics, it's the most deep, Oh my god! What am I trying to? Oh, yeah, I'm it's sorry. it's the most it's the most the deep and complex that, that, that any of these yeah. guys ever get to. Yeah, on this album at least, I can't say for any other any other record, but yeah, definitely this record. It's yes. the deepest song. We go from you know our home, which is the silliest song, to the deepest song. Yeah, it really says something right there. Really says something. It does. But yeah, I I agree with you with lyrically. It's you hit the nail on the head. I got nothing more to add to that. I the just, polio I, thing surprised me the most. I had no idea he had polio when he was sick. <laughs> Fucking polio. He was like one of the last cases of polio too or something. He had to have been. <laughs> like, yeah. Like polio. Wait. Who gets polio? What are you doing? Fucking people. I, was it you I was talking to you about, about the podcast I was listening to? There's only two people left in the United States that still use an iron iron yeah. Yeah. because of polio. That shit's fucking wild. Anybody, I'm not going to talk about it right now, but anyone is interested in that, go look at it. There's a podcast called Radio Diaries. Great podcast. They're like 15, 20 minutes long each episode, once a week. Talk about the iron lung. Get into it. It's so interesting. So interesting. Anyway, let's get into the 2B. What do you got for your 2B? 2B is uh, almost cut my hair. <laughs> ah, okay, that's not my 2B. That's not my 2B. <laughs> 2B, yeah. That's it almost cut my hair. That's, that's, that's their third track. That's the Crosby song. And uh, he probably should have cut his hair. He'd probably look a lot better if he didn't have his... Long hair because yeah. he's really gross, ugly. Well, he's just—it's he, not just his hair. It, I mean, his hair is pretty terrible, but his face, man. I just think like, he looks like a slob. If I just—I mean, if I had to just—I don't know him at all. But if I had to just peg him as as one word, I think slob is is, is something there. That's it. So, do you remember? Do you remember like the the I love the seventies, I love the eighties, or something? Remember those yeah. those shows on VH1? Do you remember th- there was an episode where they were talking about how David Crosby had given his sperm to? Melissa Etheridge or something like that. Remember that to get pregnant? <laughs> no. This is in the nineties. Yeah, this is in the, like the late nineties, and and because she needed a sperm donor because she's she's in a, in a relationship with another woman, and so she got sperm from David Crosby and had a child with his sperm, or her, her wife did. It was something weird like that. Something like that. And Michael Ian Black, who was always on those shows, he said something like so mean. He's like, I, I'm I'm really <laughs> paraphrasing it, but he's like he's like. Yeah, let's find somebody who looks like a walrus, is bald, yes! has bad skin, yes! 
has that's bad what it skin, is. but has the voice of an angel. And it was like the perfect, it was the perfect description of David Crosby. I mean, it's so mean. It's so mean. But damn, it's fucking true. I, I, I got to find that clip. I 100% it, it, can see the wall. So I, I've, I think about it often and I've thought about it often since I saw that episode of I Love. It must have been I Love the 90s because that's when that, that happened. But yeah, dude, Michael Ian Black just nailed it with that description of David Crosby. Perfect. But anyway, yeah, I, I continue. Agree. Sorry. That's, that's funny. I like <laughs> Michael Ian Black hair. too. He was funny. Yeah, he was very funny. I mean, he, not in recent years. He hasn't been that funny, but overall, he's a funny yeah. guy. Yeah, so I almost cut my hair. Very, very different already from the first two. Very, very jamming, psychedelic sounding. I, I, I think this is also so basic in, in its idea. It's childish, but it's also kind of like a rad, I don't know, fuck off and let me do me type vibe to it. The whole cut my hair thing and and how it's a little yeah. silly now, but like, uh, you know, it, this song is a low-key protest song and... and partially outdated but long hair was seen as like a deliberate act of defiance and it was commonplace of these mm-hmm. freaks and misfits of the the 60s and 70s which it seems weird but uh, i guess there's still a, there's still a big hair thing going on now to this day i don't know i don't have a lot of hairs anymore so i don't pay attention <laughs> but i like the song it's good i mean but the, come on hairstyle is always a big thing within whatever scene you're in you know the punk scene yeah, the hippie scene, whatever, whatever you're into, hair is always a big. Well, there's thing. there's laws being being put into place now that you can't discriminate based on hairstyle, and that that stems from essentially but people th- that of, comes more people of, like, of color who have different hairstyles, yeah. just genetically different, are getting treated different because of their hairstyles, but they can't they can't mm. they can't help. can't help it. And so now, like Tucson, for instance, and Tempe, both have passed laws that you can't discriminate based on hairstyles. Which is good. I mean, that's a great thing. Well, it's it's fucking silly that we even have to pass a law that you can't discriminate based yeah, on hairstyles. And it's just, like, <laughs> a hairstyle? Like, but yeah, like, you know, I don't know. It's the stupidest thing to, to judge Do we, do we not judge people based on their character anymore? That's the thing. Have we ever? Mm, probably not. Because you always judge somebody, you know, you know, by your fir- the first impression, by the way they look, like you go to a job interview for the most part. You go to a job interview, you you're gonna dress nice. You're gonna look clean cut for the most part. You know you're gonna look presentable in a presentable in a. Um, I don't know what kind of way I'm trying to say, but I honestly, I, I you know what I you know what I mean. You know what I, I mean. honestly judge people based off of their hello that they give me after I say hello. Yeah, and no, I agree. That and a handshake. If it's an annoying hand, like if you, if oh, the handshake. I don't know. I, I I hate giving people handshakes. It's so dumb. It's so archaic. No, I, it's awful. I I don't care if it's archaic. I I Stupid. handshake to me is like it. No, the handshake to me is important because it I means nothing. It literally means nothing. Like a guy can give yeah. you a great handshake because he's choked people for his entire life, and some other person who, <laughs> or, or, or but you also don't want to. You also don't want a limp hand. Why? Who Come cares? On, that's, that's just gross. That's just gross. Feels yeah, because gross. you. No, that's silly. That's that's silly boy talk. It's it's nah, it's an archaic, antiquated thing. I don't care. Thing, I stand by it's, it. It's dumb. It may be, but I don't. No, care. It's, it's all about the hello. You give a good hello. That's it. That's all you need to know. Somebody gives a bad hello, they're a douchebag. Fuck them. Yeah. They can die. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The hello is important. The initial greetings are very important. The handshakes. Whatever. Fucking God, those handshakes. Almost cut my hair. Dude, did you see what Ryan oh, God, just texted was, was it about handshakes? 
What the hell? <laughs> you, can hear, you can hear me talking, fucking guy. Oh, my gosh. All right. So I almost cut my hair. Um, lyrically, I agree with you. It's about, you know, him proving to society that he's an individual. He's standing out from the crowd and he's not part of the status quo. And that's fine and all. But it's also like, I mean, when you're 20, 18, 20 years old, okay, I, I get it. But at some point, you just kind of have to let it go, you know. But whatever. Whatever. Should we play a little <laughs> bit of this song? Yeah. And then we'll get more into the music a little bit. Whatever you want to do. All right. So here is a almost cut my hair from, you know, CSNY. Almost cut my hair from CSNY. I, I get a lot of. Um, I feel like Jack White took a lot from at least this. I mean, this kind of style of song. Yeah, I can see it, that. It's very. It's because it's very bluesy sounding, but I, I hear a lot of Jack White in this as well. And his is his, his his vocal delivery is also like very very matter of fact, like very aggressively choppy and 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 I don't know. You know what I mean? Jack yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I totally get it. And it's the guitar playing too. It's it's the very kind of abrupt, like aggressive sounding blues guitar playing, blues blues rock. I should say, it's really good. This, this is my six B. Almost cut my hair is my six B. So that's um. So so Neil Young also plays guitar in this, and yeah. I think that's that's Neil Young, like the note like like the noticeable. The different dum, guitar playing bang. it's that it's that high part right the dum, yeah bang. because yeah. neil young plays that way he's 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 never like really flashy and he's always like really choppy when he plays but mm-hmm. he's just he I don't know, he has a way of just letting notes ring out just long enough and then the next note he hits will be cut like way short i like that i do like that a lot it's weird i like yeah. it. yeah some greats and then just the way that that not only Neil, but also Steven, the way they, they kind of riff off of each other. And 
I don't want to say like dueling guitar solos because it's not really dueling, but they're they complement each other's style so well. I think it's I think it's both of them playing side by side, right? Or am I crazy? Just I mean, I don't know because I, 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 because I, because I hear two leads because I do hear two leads at part. There are parts where there's two lead guitar playing, yeah, two, two lead guitar players, and I know Stephen Stills is is easily the best guitar player in the band, technically speaking. Yeah. So I would assume that it's Steven and, and Neil, you know, battling because Graham Nash, he, I just see him as like a rhythm player. Same with Crosby. Yeah. I, I think being technical at all. I think Crosby played rhythm on this track and then like two or three other ones. Whereas most of the leads are coming from stills and then, and then, uh, Neil Young. It's good stuff. man. I don't think Crosby had any lead guitar on any of the uh, albums or any of the songs on the, on the album, but not, but not every song needs like a lead guitar. There's, there, I mean, a handful of these songs are just like ac- almost acoustic jams. Yeah, and that makes for a good songwriter too. Like, you don't need a guitar solo. You don't need all these intricate guitar leads. Write a song, you know, write to the song, not to your technical abilities necessarily. It's great. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. What is what is your two B? Two B, or not two B? What do we got for my two B? the fuck is my 2b holy shit uh oh woodstock woodstock okay uh more of an upbeat song um they just they do a really good job of complementing the guitars and the keys like the it's not a synth i guess it's more of an organ or a synth trying to sound like an organ uh it just just sounds so good and I, i i i think musically it's just it's more of a jam up, more of a jam song, but in a very upbeat way. I think it's probably the most upbeat song on the whole record, outside of the last song. Everybody, everybody, I love you. Yeah, yeah. So, I so think these two songs are the most upbeat. So Woodstock has has stills on piano or or organ, organ, mm-hmm. and has Neil Young on guitar, and it's a it's a great it's a great rocker. I, all four guys play their parts together on this track, and this may be the only song on just the the standard album not like the deluxe edition or whatever the only song on the album where all four of the guys actually played together and we're in the studio mm-hmm. together and, and recorded together and, and did it together because because most of the time they were they came in separately and like i said earlier neil young just phoned it in essentially from his house well so was almost cut my hair that was also a full band song too was that I'm one too sure. yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty positive almost cut my hair was a full band song as well I'm not sure about Woodstock. I'm, I really don't know about Woodstock. Woodstock, Woodstock definitely was. Okay. Because this is um, this is one that uh, it's a Joni Mitchell song, and Joni Mitchell yeah. taught it to Nash, and then Nash brought it to the group, and and God, I don't I don't like her version. And I think her version is fine, but I I just yeah, based whatever. on principle, I don't like it. I don't like what she did. Because she wasn't at Woodstock. She wasn't fucking there. She decided not to do it. She yeah. says she had conflict issues with scheduling. Bullshit. There's a lot of bands that didn't do Woodstock because they thought it was going to be a shit show. And she was one of them. And, and whether or not she wants to admit it, that's what happened. And so to capitalize on the, the growing popularity of Woodstock, she wrote a fucking song called Woodstock. It's super irritating. It pissed me off. <laughs> so, based off of that, I don't like the song that she did. So it's hard to even get around this this version. This is my seven B, and it's only okay. so low right. because it's it's uh, Joni Mitchell. It's because of what she did. But <laughs> so 
So you're right. I, I just double checked, and and Woodstock was was a song where they all recorded it, or they all played it together and recorded it together. And it's cool because one of the few instances because this song also has um, Hendrix. Hendrix on an earlier version of this dropped a bass line. He was playing bass on this, and he did some like guitar he dubs. Did guitar overdubs too. Yeah, yeah, and it was just like a jam sesh because Stills played. Stills had played with Hendrix beforehand because Stills is, is a great guitar player, the best guitar player in the group. Obviously, oh easily, yeah. And so yeah. it's it's uh, I don't know, but you can hear it on this on this version on the studio version. The last couple seconds kicks up and the double times, and it drowns it out oh, instantly. It's... Like that that last like three seconds. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking. And about. it's like, dude, I want to hear. Give me more of that right there. And that's that's <laughs> what I could hear is just the the I don't know the psychedelic rock sound of the late sixties and early seventies. So there's there's parts mm-hmm. of Woodstock that are there that can go and be fantastic, but as it stands right now, it's seven B, which is still fucking bang. I love okay, it. That's fine. Uh, I, I mean, I I totally understand what you're saying. I, I really do. Did um did Stephen Stills ever work on any of Hendrix's records, like the four records that he put out? He may Three, he four? may have done some like studio work, and I mean Hendrix has a lot of records because you know after he died, they started. Releasing shit with recordings of him yeah. on it, and Hendrix had like essentially two different bands, and so there's he may have done like some work with them before. In the same, in the kind of like the same vein as it has how many how many songs Dwayne Allman had worked on prior to him becoming like famous with Allman Brothers. It's he where he was just around. Yeah, that could have been Stills too, because Stills is is just God. He's he's really 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 good at the guitar. He is. He's he's a killer player. I had no idea. I had no idea. I had no idea. He looks like a Steven dork. Stills, like, I <laughs> fucking guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> crazy talk. Oh, boy. Okay, so uh, let, let's play a little bit of the song, and then we'll jump into the lyrics. Sound good? I guess. I'll talk about the lyrics. Okay. Uh, here, here's, a, here's a bit of Woodstock from CSNY. <laughs> There you go, Woodstock from CSNY. Lyrically, though, I mean, it's not it's not too deep of a song. It's just about like their experience of Woodstock, or at and least who Joni even Mitchell's cares? Version. Because she wasn't there. 
It's annoying. They were there. They played Woodstock. Yeah, no, that's true. They were terrified too. When they yeah, there it's 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 a stupid little thing too because Neil Young was very adamant about not being filmed. So that video you mentioned earlier, it's it it's like eighty percent focus on stills, and he's a boring, boring looking dude. But I mean, do you really want to look at David Crosby? No, I would, I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> Show me the crowd. Fuck. I don't look at any of them. That's true, man. Ugly man. group of uglies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, obviously, just for people listening, we're obviously not going to be getting into any of the the outtakes or the demos or the B-sides or anything. We're just focusing on the, the main 10 songs. There's too much to talk about on this record. So just throwing that out yeah, there there's, quick. there's way too much. Yeah. We, just the 10 songs by themselves are a lot. And we're probably missing out on stuff, but who knows? Uh, so what's your 3B? Uh, what was my... Th- it was... Mm, oh, it's the, mm. the 4 plus 20. Okay, that's Dude, a good one. This is that's my four. This beat. is the best still song ever. He has not done a better <laughs> song than this, and I, I would agree. With I've you listened that. to like four of his records, and I'm keeping one, his first one, and then I listened to his second one, and listened to like his sixth one, and then I listened to a live one. And the live one's really good because it's half acoustic, half electric, and the electric side is fantastic. But everything mm-hmm. else is 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 okay. Besides his first, which I think is great, but if he just if he just shuts his fucking mouth, it's really great. But this is like the best thing he's ever done, <laughs> and it's the only true solo song on the album. This is the only song that nobody else has their fingers in in any shape, any way, shape, or form. It is only one yeah, person, yeah, and it's and fucking it, good. It's the shortest song too. It, it's two minutes and eight seconds. I'm pretty sure that's the shortest. Song. Yes, it's a it's crazy crazy short, and it's it's. Dude, it's just great. I love that. I I talked about how much I hate his acoustic guitar tone earlier, but I love this one. But in this, it's this good. This is fucking yeah, in this, fantastic. In this song, it's really good. It's, it's very perfect. Very good. It is a perfect sounding acoustic guitar. Very soft picking, mm. but he can still make it very full sounding. I agree. I, I totally agree. I would. This is a, outside of the helpless. This is another one of the songs that really caught me off guard because it's so stripped down. Very very stripped down song and. From what I was reading too, like he was gonna put this on his solo record, but then everybody, everybody else in the group heard it and they said, "Oh, we we should put it on this record." So it was it, at first it was never supposed to be on this record. Yeah, and and Which he wanted sense. other people to sense. to to layer. He wanted other people to join in and, and do dubs, and they're like, "Nah, no way. There's, I'm not fucking touching this." Yeah, thankfully they didn't. Yeah, I mean, it sure would have been great if they did, but this is. This on its own is fantastic. It's, it's fucking perfect. It is so goddamn good. This would have been my like one B. It's just I come on, like, you can't. Helpless is so fucking good. <laughs> yeah, Helpless is way too good. There's <laughs> <laughs> no way. It's no way, way too damn good. <laughs> There's not a ton to talk about here. I mean, lyrically, it's at least what I got from this. It's it's him being in his early to mid twenties, uh, just kind of being really depressed and. Working a crappy job, um, he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a girl, nothing like he's just it's mon- the monotony of life, and he just hates it. He hates it all, and he has no purpose in life. And this is him talking about that. But then I was reading as well, like it was talking about he he said in an interview or something like that that it's about an old man who started and ended with nothing. But I guess they go hand in hand. Yeah, I I mean I guess he's just a whiny little kid, and he's just mad he's not a girlfriend. 
I mean, realistically. <laughs> yeah. Because he was dating true. like that's Rita true. Coolidge at some point, too, and then she left him for, for Nash. And then, mm. you know, Nash was dating Joni Mitchell. Like, Nash is like the, he's like the good-looking guy of the group. It's not hard to do in a group I mean, full of uglies, barely. but. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my so, god! So yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine. Okay, should we play a little bit of uh, four plus twenty? What do you want to do? We got five, six more songs we'll, to get it to. I don't know. We'll, we'll play. We'll play a little bit of it. I'll cut it. I'll cut it pretty short, and, uh, and then we'll move on. So here we go. Four twenty or four plus twenty. Four and twenty years ago, we're coming to this life. The son of a woman and a man who lived in strife He was tired of being poor And he wasn't into selling door to door And he worked like the devil to be All right, you get the gist of it. Four, I guess it's four and twenty, not four. Not four twenty, Tyler. Four twenty. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Smoke a little, smoke a little reefer, huh? These guys probably like for sure. David Crosby, um, like these guys probably smoked more weed than like a lot of like Snoop Dogg. You know what I mean? Like these guys smoke so much oh, yeah. fucking weed. But it also weed from everything I've heard and read. Weed back in the '60s was much different than weed in the '90s and especially today. Like it was like trash weed back then. <laughs> That's what I hear. That's what I hear. I don't know. I don't. I'm not, I'm not a I big mean, smoker. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't doubt it because it's. It just didn't have time to be engineered better. True. Yeah. It's like how I mean, beer was probably trash beer back then too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All you had was Miller Buddies. Schlitz. Yeah, they, they, can you imagine a, a time where nobody could drink hazies? Like, what the fuck? Oh how God, did people dude, survive? I, how did they? I mean, it must have been a miserable life without the hazies. It's incredible. Without the stouts. I mean, no, they had stouts. But, yeah, no hazies. No sours. Oof. Right. Miserable. Miserable life. Fucking stupid. Pathetic. It really is. I would have I thrived drinking all the Budweiser. <laughs> I would have thrived. Anyway, uh, four and twenty. Do we have anything else on this one? Nope, that's it. So that's okay, all. So, what do you got for? Oh, my three. I haven't done my three B. What's your three B? Because that was your three B, right? Four and twenty. Yeah, that was my three B. Okay, mine is Deja Vu. Deja Vu title track. <laughs> this one, it's to me, it's the singing and the harmonizing that gets me. This is just you, you love all that skit and scatting all over the place dude, in the beginning so, part. It's so good. It's so good. Oh my god, they they just they do it so well, and uh, the way they they just they harmonize with one another is fantastic. And then it like half times, or no, it I, no it double. Wait, no, wait, no, no, no it what? double times. I'm sorry. Yeah. What am I trying to say? It double times. I was thinking of something different. Uh, during the chorus, I guess you could say, but then there's some like great, great bass playing toward the end of the song, like the last like 45 seconds, almost a minute. Some great bass playing. 
And just we haven't even their... talked about the other two guys who played on this record. Oh like, yeah, besides the the main four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's essentially the, the, six guys on this. They're, record. they're the studio guys. Dallas, Dallas Reigns. Dallas Re- no, Dallas, Dallas, Taylor, Dallas, oh, Taylor. Dallas Taylor, and then Peter Reeves. Wait, fuck, no, Dallas Reigns is the is the fucking. Yeah, Dallas Reigns is the yeah. ABC Seven weather yeah. guy, which is a fantastic name. And the guy's Greg Greg Reeves. Greg Reeves. Remember Johnny Mountain? He was the other. The oh, other uh, weather guy, dude. What a fantastic fucking name! That's such a cool name, <laughs> Johnny Mountain oh, and so Dallas Reigns. I mean, clearly they're not their real names. Come on, that is their god names. Those are their Christian names right there. <laughs> so cool. Stuffs. It is cool, but yeah, but yeah, the song I, it, it, it's great. What do you got on it? Uh, I I like I like their their vocal harms. I think it's rad. It's fast paced and weird. It's quirky. Like. They're spitting out super quick, and it's so they're so tight, like nobody yeah. nobody lags, nobody starts earlier, and it's just I mean obviously it's, it's produced and it's take after take and supposedly, you know like legend has it is is eight hundred hours of of work was put into this record, so I don't, a lot I don't of it's know, true, that. but like like I don't know just production wise I think this album is is is. God, it's just so fucking good. I, honestly, I think mm-hmm. it is like ahead of its time in that that kind of Phil Spector wall of sound type of thing. But there's so much vocal harms going into here. But you can hear mm-hmm. every single person clearly. Nobody yeah. like steps on anybody's toes. Nothing washes anybody else out. You can hear every single person with like crispness. And I listened to this twice, or not just twice, but two different times on the vinyl and Spotify just so I can see whether or not, cause I have a good copy on vinyls and I just want to see if, if it sounded better on Spotify or whatever. And it, it, it doesn't, it really does sound better on the vinyls. I think it's, it's a lot more crisp. Really? Yeah. And I, I think just, just the parts that are quiet and especially in this part when they're, they're doing that, that, that harm part in the beginning where it's really fast paced. It's so good. There's, there's, there's breaks of silence in between some of their words and in the vinyls that that silence break is very very clean and crisp sounding yeah it, it it's so cool too cuz cuz Crosby yeah Crosby's the the lead vocals on this it it's cool because there is that pause but then you have him just singing but the way but it's not it's not that it's off time it's just it's a weirdly i guess structured song from a vocal standpoint because there's a lot of there's a lot of emptiness, a lot of silence and emptiness where there shouldn't be, but for whatever reason it works because you're already I feel like you're so kind of overstimulated with with those crazy vocal harmonies, then you get the silence and then you get Crosby coming just by himself and then you jump right back into the the craziness and then you have the silence like there's this perfect balance of of crazy and silence and honestly dude, like like the way they deliver the fast vocal parts and then you're not like a big dead guy yet which you will be but you're not a big dead guy yet but the song trucking from american beauty came out after this album and after this song or after uh, both of the songs did the song trucking the way yeah the way jerry sings trucking is like exactly like the way they're delivering that fast vocal harm part it is like identical and clearly there is some inspiration that that jerry took from his sessions work with these guys Mm-hmm. And it's it's uh, you can hear it in in subsequent dead albums, you know, like two or three albums after after seventy, you, you can hear 
inspiration from this sound. Okay. I mean, like I said, send me over a list of <laughs> dead stuff. I'm 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 much more interested now after this week. But like the dead, you gotta it's it's not like a list of songs. It's not just a list of bullshit and the, the stuff that we've done in the past, but it's you know, like tenacious, <laughs> you would say. But no, you, like you got it really. It's like a, an album by album basis. Okay, all right. all right. But I will, I will, I will do my homework. I will do my due diligence, and I will send it to you, and you will love it, and you'll be, like, oh my god, Jeff, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm stupid. The people that are so well, I would never. Than I would never I know what I've been doing my whole life. That's what you will say. I would Straight never up. say that you're right and I'm wrong. I would never say that to you. <laughs> I've said that to other people, but I would never say that to you. <laughs> Purely out of, I pre- well, I wouldn't even I be spite. I appreciate truth, that. You know, no, I do. Yeah, I would just never say that yeah. to you. Consistency would not give you the satisfaction. But this song, um, this, this song also has John yes. Sebastian on harmonica. John Sebastian's a guy from Loving Spoonful, and that's a band that I had never heard of until we started collecting the vinyls. And I got and who are they? So Loving Spoonful are another group from this like the same era of of late 60s early 70s but what they are kind of cool about is or what's cool about them they are cool what about they're, what they're cool about <laughs> are, can they be cool about something they could be cool about something that's yeah, true we could all be cool about something like yeah don't be a narc bro be cool about it that's yeah see i'm cool that about makes it. sense so i'm cool about what you said they're they're just they're they're a band that made some kind of stupid fucking songs like do you believe in magic that song oh really yeah that song's okay. dumb but they've also yeah, made it's some a dumb song, but it's a. I mean, they've it's also popular. made some really, really quirky stuff. And then the other guy in, in the Love and Spoonful, his name is like Zal, Zal y- Yensky or some shit like that. I don't fucking know. But well, that's annoying. He had a he had a uh, a solo album that is super super folky and just really weird. It's really really quirky, and I got it early in our collecting, and it, it just I I fell in love with. It. I think it's so great. But Loving Spoonful are fantastic, and John Sebastian does a lot of. Solo work that is really good, and he plays a harmonica really nice, and uh, I liked it a lot here. Okay, mm-hmm. I I mean I'm not I'm not a harmonica man, um, at all really, but no it it the the amount of harmonica on this record was okay. It was not overdone. It wasn't Bob Dylan, anything annoying like that, but I, I it was it was just enough. And I think like the vocal harm part just before the solo is absolutely perfect. It's just such a good way to Dude, to utilize your voice as an instrument and then kind of slow it out and then bleed into a solo, but it's not a crazy solo because it's also the solo's harmonizing with the harmonica. So just a mm. lot of sounds that are being thrown in the mix. And there's also a lot of like dynamic on this album. There's a lot of louds, there's a lot of softs. And like I mentioned that Graham Nash song where you can hear the ASMR and his lips opening <laughs> yeah like that's just but like you're just turning the mic up at that point there's no that's not like a dynamic turn the thing. mic up turning the gain up it, it's yeah. that's just that's just stupid that's dumb like, like that doesn't take any kind of like effort or skill other than just flipping a button or twisting <laughs> that's a fine button. that's okay that's though. i guess that's fine but you're better than that and this album is better than that and this album would never do some bullshit trick like that this album is actually really really good <laughs> production wise and I think it's it is it, it is. sounds fucking fantastic because some of these guys like the four the four twenty song is a quiet song, and it's it, it's inherently quiet because it's acoustic, and it sounds like it's quiet. But then you get like the resonance of some of the open notes that he's hitting that that ring out, and they kind of like stay with you a little bit. You can feel them. And when I was playing this mm-hmm. album, actually, so like like for for listeners out there, my drum set is 
next to my record player. And on really good sounding records, I, I'll hear like my snare rattle from my uh, my actual drum set oh, in my yeah, house. Yeah, I'll hear the, the snare rattle, the chain, yeah. yeah. And and this this record it rattled a lot, and I wasn't even playing it that loud. It was just hitting these certain notes that were just really vibrating through the floor, through the carpet, all the way over. And I just I like that's I don't know that just sounds like a a, a good full sound of something, and I, I dig. Well, this is also a pretty bass heavy song. I mean, like I said before, the the last forty five seconds of or minute of the song are it's like like some squirrely bass stuff going on too. There's some really good stuff going on in the song, so and basing. I think that added to it. Basing off of, off of what fucking song is it? I don't know what song it is. Carry on. So basing off of carry on because carry on is 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 like a different tuning. It's like a C tuning. So that that mm-hmm. low string that he's hitting is is a C rather than like an E. And I, I don't I don't know if that's a lower C or a higher C, but if they are tuning down a little bit then some of these bass parts are going to just be even lower than normal. And I, I, I do think that adds to like the dynamic of the record. If they're tuning down mm-hmm. to a C, but we're getting like Neil Young's high vocal parts, and even sometimes like Nash can sing in a pretty high, in a pretty high register. So if we're getting like low end on the strings, but then high end on the vocals, that middle ground is what we're missing and that's being filled out by the other guys in the group, by the harmonica, by the lead guitar. And it's just like these are the type of dynamics that 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 groups just don't don't do well that often. Yeah. Even, even yeah, big yeah, yeah. name groups that are just like like, like even Zeppelin sometimes don't do this kind of dynamic that well. It's I would agree. I would agree. Just just I mean, given given how this record sounds and then for being like nineteen seventy. I think this record sounds fantastic. Yeah, sonically, it's it's fan, it's, it's great. It's unbelievable. It's one of the best sounding records from like the 1970s era that I have ever heard. I mean, outside of like you know some some of the Beatles records and Beach Boys, like Pet Sounds and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. So, um, let's play a little bit of Deja Vu, and then we'll. I guess we didn't even touch upon the lyrics yet, but the lyrics are kind of silly, right? It's about deja vu, right? Kind of. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it, he's, exactly. It, it's, he's, it's just it's like him smoking weed, and he's like, "Hey, man, like, what do you think happens after we die?" That's pretty fucking crazy, right? Well, he said it was inspired uh, by him going on his boat yeah. with his friend. And everything and felt feeling, so natural. And then having deja vu, yeah. Okay, and he had deja vu. Like clearly, you were smoking. Like you were high, bro. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here, Come on. Here, <laughs> Here's the title track, Deja Vu, from CSNY.
There you go. Deja vu. From CSNY. Mm. Great stuff, man. Great, great, great. Pretty, great pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> All right. So what is your 4B? 4B. We talked about it, and I, I don't remember what it was. Oh, no, we have not, we have not talked about it. And that's teach what, your children. Teach your children. Okay, what do you, what do you got on this one? Actually, I have two four Bs. Oh, that's okay, fun. Yeah, that's that always fun. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I fucked up on that one. So I have two four Bs. One is yeah. teach your children, and the other four B apparently is country girl. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, which one do you want to talk about? Well, we could talk about both. Yeah, I, we'll just start in, in alphabetical order. Numerical order, I should say, not alphabetical. Numerical yeah, order. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'm right. You're right. Yeah. I'm always right. You're not right. I'm always right. I'm always. Yeah. Teach your children. Let's get in teach your children because we got Jerry here. We got Jerry coming in. Jerry. Yeah. So that twang <laughs> on the pedal guitar, that's that's Jerry. Uh, Jerry. You know, and that's that's good stuff. That's always fun. I I I like, and I know you like the idea of the Grateful Dead. I know you do. I know you like just a very I lackadaisical no. approach they have to music. I know you love how it's just okay they are with just doing whatever just their fan base everything about the grateful Dead. i know you like i've always i've i really have always wanted to get into the grateful dead i really have i i think that whole idea of the group and the music is so cool but the things i've heard have never wowed me wowed me enough to go back and listen and it sucks like I, i've honestly been really disappointed maybe my expectations are too high i don't know but I really want to like the damn band. They're they're a band, band you got to put in some time. When when you put in some time, at some point it's gonna get you, and you're gonna be like, okay, this is fucking dope. I love this. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. So yeah, teach your children. This is uh, that's Jerry there. It's the song just has a nice, just, uh, such a great. It's got a great, great swing to it. Mm-hmm. It's very very easy to get into. It's it's just a overall nice pop tune. Well, it's a very country sounding tune too. I mean. Not just with the slide guitar, but just I think overall the guitar playing and the structure of the song is very con- old, old school country sound. Yeah. Which is good. It's really good. It's my 7B. This is my 7B, by the way. Yeah. 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 It's good stuff. I was very surprised that Jerry Jerry was on this record. Or he had this much involvement with them. Or even the Grateful Dead guys had this much involvement with the group. Pretty cool stuff. Pretty Yeah, pretty I didn't... Cool. Uh, I mean, it's it makes sense. I I was surprised also, but then I I you know I thought about it. It's okay, it makes sense because like dude, Jerry just liked playing guitar with whoever and whenever, wherever they wanted to. He just he just loved playing, and he'll play with fucking anybody. And he's just one of those guys that could play with anybody, yeah, and keep up. Like he was he was just he's that versatile. He's that versatile, and and even the other guys from the Grateful Dead too that that helped out on this and just, I don't know the, the man, San Francisco is such a shit town. Now it is such a shit <laughs> fucking know. garbage town. I hate that city I so just, much. But like, if I could, if I could go back, if I like, like uncle Rico, you know, if I could do it all over again, <laughs> if I could go back and be in like the late sixties, early seventies era of, of Frisco, like oh, I would man. dude, I would just jump at the chance just to watch, just to be around these people that were just so, like the same venue that that they recorded this album on, Deja Vu, was also like the Grateful Dead recorded a bunch of albums on. Was also the same recording studio that CCR recorded most of their albums on. Was also like where where Jefferson Starship and Airplane recorded their stuff on. Like my God, 
Like, what the fuck is so going much history. on? So much fucking history. Unbelievable. Like, this, this was a powerhouse of a recording studio. <laughs> I, I can't even the, imagine what it was like back then. It's just like the overall attitude of, of recording in, in this area was just like, yeah, it'll get done when it gets done. <laughs> okay. That's cool. And then when it does get done, it's just, oh my God, it, it's phenomenal. <laughs> fucking fantastic. Absolutely phenomenal. It's wild, man. Yeah, I, teach I your children. Like thinking about it too right now, how underrated. Yeah, thinking about I mean, it's a great place to think. Um, but San Francisco, that area, how influential that whole entire area has been for decades, but nobody really talks about it. I mean, you have you have all this stuff with the the hippie era with the dead with obviously all this stuff ccr you know going into like the metal stuff where metallica you know metallica came from the well they kind of came from the bay area and then you get into like the punk scene in the late 80s you know with rancid or opera op ivy rancid green day afi you know so many bands have come from that area but nobody really talks about it so many different kinds of bands have come from that area over the decades Nobody talks about it. It's always L.A., New York. That's pretty much it. Maybe Chicago, and like the South, you know, for like blues music. But outside of that, nobody and Seattle too. But nobody talks about San Francisco and the Bay. Seattle. It's crazy. Like so much has come out of that area, but it's never discussed. And it's it's because it's so shit now. Nobody fucking nobody cares anymore. It's a garbage place. No, but I mean, even just like going, like even like a documentary or or nobody references the Bay Area as like a source or like a great place where music once was or came from. No, regardless of what how it's been like in the last fifteen years, regardless of that, like take that out of the picture. Mid sixties, like for thirty solid years, mid sixties to like mid nineties is is probably when it started to die out. Like thirty solid years, Frisco was a powerhouse of music, if not like bigger than New York, maybe bigger than like L.A. It was a powerhouse of bands, influential bands, influential genres, sounds just coming out of it. Yeah. Uh, but seriously though, like like Seattle, man, it's like only one thing has really come out of Seattle, genre wise. But the Bay Area, it's everything. Well, not everything, but a lot of shit. No, minus, I I, I agree. Hell. I mean, like Frisco is not just like music wise too. I mean, we're talking like sports. There's there's a lot of big well, things yeah. that came out of Frisco, and as in regards to sports and politics and and just in just like societal yeah. issues. Yeah, like, like, Frisco, you know, gay is, rights, is, everything. Is I mean, a big part of our culture. Well, Willie Mays played for for the Giants, and and, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I mean, it's I don't know the Frisco. Why is it so shitty? I just I don't, don't know, understand. Man. That that's why Full House, Full House. I get very upset. You Fuck know? Full. Full is stupid. <laughs> that house is iconic, though. Yeah, iconically dumb. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to teach your children. Teach your um, children. Yes. Yeah, this, this, what else do we got on this? Should we play it, or what, what do you think? Get into the no, that's all right. We, we, I mean, we got like three other songs, four of the songs we had to get through, so okay. we don't have to play this one. It's up but, to you. Um, this, is, this is your day. This is your pod. I, I, did, I did think it was interesting, though. This was, I mean, obviously, I think this is about just teaching your kids to be better than you are. Yeah. Just, that's oh, a yeah. very generational thing. That's not nothing new, and like everybody, every parent wants their kids to, to be better, to be smarter, to be more successful, to just be better than they are. 
But what I thought was, was interesting was the photo that this was about that Nash drew inspiration from. The photo was called Child with, Child with Hand Grenade in yeah. Central Park. And it, it just shows a kid like making a, a goofy face with a toy hand grenade. Mm-hmm. And then Nash saw the photo and he was like, oh, this is such a, a piece on, on just our, the society and, and war and stuff. Like, dude, it's a fucking kid being goofy. Like, <laughs> like for me, I saw that picture and I was like, wow, even with all of the bullshit, this kid can still find happiness. Whereas he took it as, wow, this kid is unhappy because of all the bullshit. It's like, no, this kid is happy even in spite of all the bullshit. Yeah. So I, I, I thought he took it a very cynical way. Whereas when mm-hmm. I saw the picture for the first time this week, I've never seen the picture before. And and that's how I that's how I saw it. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I, I agree with you. He was very cynical about the picture because I would have I would have thought the same thing. I but I would have viewed it more as the the innocence of being a child. Like him holding the, the plastic hand the plastic grenade and him, you know, with his the, the, his face, him making that face and everything, it's it shows the innocence of it. But then, you know, how quickly things can change with that person, with that child, you know, like one bad thing happens or, you know, they get drafted, you know, and when they become when they turn 18. So it's like the last innocence mixed with, you know, the atrocities of war. So I I, I think it's more of that that kind of this is the last of 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 that innocence. That's kind of the way I guess if that makes sense. I don't know. It makes sense. I, I I just feel like seeing a kid with a toy hand grenade. I mean, just children inherently like like competition, and in in mm-hmm. children, competition and war are kind of the same thing. Like we grew up playing cowboys and Indians. That was the thing that we played, that kids played prior to us. But it yeah. wasn't like I like we didn't want to kill each other. We it was just a competition to see who could capture. It was more like a CTF, like capture the flag type of thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we yeah. just called our we we just called ourselves cowboys and Indians. It was, or it was it like was cops a, and robbers. It was the same cops thing. and robbers. It was like yeah. I didn't actually want to arrest anybody. I just I wanted the competition. I wanted to run around and see if I can get caught. It was about sneaking. It's competition. So like the grenade in the kid's hand, it's not necessarily like this kid is being conditioned to be a soldier, which he probably is. But ultimately, yeah. kids just like competition. Humans like competition. That's what we like that's to do. Watch, that's why we watch sports. That's why we play sports. You know, everything it's is just, a competition. A friendly competition, not friendly competition. There's humans just like to be better than somebody else because it's fun, because it's rewarding, well, they, because they, it's, yeah, they like that that sense of confidence. That and the rewarding is the best way to put it. They yeah. like to feel like that they've done something good, something special, something for themselves you know it's so to see a, a kid with a toy hand grenade and then to automatically think like the worst possible case scenario i think it's just very cynical and i think this kid had a hand grenade in him because it was a toy that he probably could afford or his parents could afford or something and it's just it yeah. means nothing other than this kid is finding happiness in the little things in life whereas nash just was like oh he's being conditioned to be a soldier and again but maybe then, he is i don't know but, but then look at look at the look at the context too where Nash, you know, he comes from from the UK, you know, where he probably was a child during the Blitzkrieg. You know, he was probably there when everything was going down and during World War II, very young. And then he comes to the States and he sees this. And, you know, the U.S. just went into the... They just started the Vietnam War, went into the war, you know. And obviously that was a very unpopular war. And so I... you can't blame him too much because one of his upbringing and two, because of what was going on at the time. 
So I don't I don't blame I don't him. I, you can't I just, blame him I just too think much. there I, I think there are some universals, the culturally speaking, that are that are for everybody. And one is is like a child smiling. And there's more pictures than just that picture that this that this photographer took of this kid. Mm-hmm. And this kid has now grown, obviously, and, and he has since come out and said, like, dude, you captured me in like the worst fucking time. Like all the other pictures you took of me were great, but you chose this one as most, you know, as any kind of photographer yeah. would do is you, you choose one that like looks the most uh, engaging, I guess, for other people. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's like manipulation. Absolutely. And the, and then this kid was manipulated and, and this picture, I, I've never seen this. Have you ever seen this picture? Did you, I've never you, seen did it. you see the picture? Never seen it until this week. Yeah, I don't, I don't fucking know. It's a fucking picture of a kid playing in the park. Who wants to watch? Who, uh, who wants to look at pictures of kids playing in park? Kid, that's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> fucking dumb. I'm talking about uh, too much. It's so dumb. Yeah, I know we've gone on for like five minutes about it. But the stupid fucking... I don't want to watch my own kids play in the park. Why the fuck I watch some other kid play in the park? It's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And I will say lyrically real quick too, kind of what I got from it is it's a little... might might be a little bit different, but um, I got... He's he's teaching young people to let out... to let go of their anger and just to... just be like a good person because it'll just be like a cycle of just destruction. So it's like you got it you have to change the way of society to be more peaceful and that's that really goes in line with like the whole hippie, the whole hippie thing which obviously they were kind of a part of. So it's like it's trying to kill the the anger in society or kill the anger in children and don't teach children to be upset and pissed off and stuff because that'll just lead to more war. Yeah. But it all kind of goes hand in hand with each other. No, I, yeah, I can see that. So that's all I got on Teach Your Children. Teach Your Children. Buck your couch. No, that's it. Nothing. All right. So what B was that for you? 4B. Four, okay, let, let's get into your other 4B then. Yeah, my other 4B. That. Country girl. I don't know <laughs> how I got B. two 4Bs. That's my Fucking nine weird. B. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right, so, I, 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 so like this is... This is a song, right? This is this is this is a song. This is this may be the most complicated song on the album. There's just a lot of moving parts here, a lot of stuff going on. This is written by Young, but it's it's sung by all of them. Yeah. Actually, this is the only song that's sung by all of them. Yeah, it's true. like like as 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 not like a harm part, but as a like a lead. They have leads, right? Like a trading off thing. Mm-hmm. And. And, and and going into this prior to uh, me listening to this album, you know, months ago when, we, when I got on the on the records, but I, I I never realized that they don't switch off as much as I thought they would on a Crosby, Stills, Nut, Crosby, Stills, Nash, no. Young album. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Crosby, Stills, the no. What was I even trying to say with that These one? Crosby, nuts. Stills, you were trying to say Nash, Nash. <laughs> Crosby still is Nash no. Young. They they don't they don't trade off lead vocals ever. They're very they're very uh, I don't know they're very rigid, which mm-hmm. which is yeah. which makes sense because they're fucking babies, and so the fact that they have one song here where they all throw down is really cool. And and the song is very doom and gloom, like especially in the early organ parts, it's very heavy handed, a lot of like minor keys, and it's just like a it's it's just loud and, and, and kind of like ominous and weird sounding 
I just I, I like a lot of the nuance that's going on, a lot of sounds, a lot of layers. But again, mm-hmm. nothing ever seems to like drown. Everything is clear. Everything is purposeful. Everything has its own unique way of shining in the song. And there's so much song. And there's a lot of sound yeah. here. I was going to say, too, that uh, they do a really good job <laughs> of mixing the synth with the actual piano. Like on, on one side, when you listen to a stereo mix of it, on one side is just the piano kind of playing their, I don't even want to say lead, but just playing their part. And then on the other side, the right side or left or whatever side, you you get this kind of like almost droning synth. It's not it's not nearly as kind of fast or, or complex as the piano part, but it's just it's this perfect balance of the two things. And that's something you don't really hear is the mix of a synth and a piano. It's like a synth and guitar or a piano and guitar, but never those two instruments together. And I thought that was pretty unique. I really dug it. And then on top of that, the the guitar playing kind of, you know, goes along with the piano. So it's it's a really weird song, but it's it's a like you said, it's a perfectly balanced song. Nothing drowns out the other. It's just really well done. But it's still my name. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. This is this is a song where I, I think that that it builds I think the song builds better than any other song on the album. It's not okay. it's not like a crescendo type of like climb or build. It's more of a of a, an adding just layers to a foundation, an already strong foundation at that. It does mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't try to pretend like it's going somewhere. It's just adding to the already good harm that's happening and just building on that. So it's not like leading you on anywhere. It's just it's just making what it has better. Okay. Best yeah, way I could describe I that. that. I can see that. But as far as like the lyrics part, this is I this I think this is completely nonsense. Except for like the ending part, I think fell in line with like loving a girl. But other than that, I think this is a completely random string of of cool sounding lines. Uh, yeah, I, I lyrically to me, I think this is the. I mean, outside of our house, I think this is this is probably this is the worst lyrically. It's just him falling in love with a wait with a girl like a waitress. And just all he thinks about is her. It's very basic in like a Beatles, like early Beatles way where he's, he's just in love with her and that's all he thinks about. And yeah. that's it. That's all, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> that's it. But that's what I got on this one. It's still a really good song though. I, I dig it. Should we play it or nah. what do you want to do? We got like okay. 15 other songs to talk about. We got two songs left. I just No, tried. we have three songs left. We never talked about Carry On, did we not? Yeah, we haven't talked about Carry On, and we haven't talked about uh, the last song. Oh, we talked the, about Our House? Oh, yeah, that was the first one we talked yeah, about. Yeah, that was the first song we talked about, yeah. So we got two songs left. Okay. So would you want to go get into Carry On? Carry On, Carry On. That's a Goldfinger song. Yeah, the Carry On, that's my 5B. <laughs> that's my 5B as well. My 5B as well. I, I love I love the sound of tapping on the guitar. I dig. Mm-hmm. And this is the one where I think the low string... Which would be the low E, but because of the C tuning, that they, I think it rings out hard. It, it it just it vibrates, it resonates, it sounds fantastic. I think adding an electric guitar for a song like this seems counterintuitive, but because they layer it so well and it's quiet and it's buried in the back, and like you can sometimes almost barely even hear it. Perfect, perfect it amount is. of electric guitar. It is. 
because it's it's generally a, a more like folky acoustic jam but yeah the the lead guitar it never drowns anything out it's it's there to supplement everything else when normally lead guitars don't do that that's kind of the genius behind this group and this or this record at least is they like we said they don't drown each other out and it's it's really remarkable and considering how it seems like everybody in this group has a giant ego yeah once when they made this record none of that ego ever came out which is remarkable it really is like the most childish group of men i've seen in music outside of like guns and roses maybe the most childish group of men it's it's remarkable that they made this record they were able to make this record this good this was the uh, only time they ever did it either cuz the four way street that's a live album that they that they did after this and like they fought, they like physically fought in dressing rooms and shit during like that tour. Idiots. Like they fucking hated each other. But like Stills and, and Young, they were in Buffalo Springfield and they fought during yeah. them too. Like they, they, they were yeah. no, they were. That's why they broke up. They were. That's why the band yeah, broke they up. They were new to fighting. And, and so then like Stills joins this other group. He's like, oh yeah, I got a guy. You should, you should like, let, let's, let's, let's have him over. And like he, he knows he's going to fight with them. <laughs> I know it's, it makes no fucking sense. And then like we were talking about before, t- earlier in the episode, you know, after, you know, w- when the four guys would take a break from each other, they would make their solo records, but then two of the other guys would be on the record. Yeah. Maybe one guy out. Yep. It's like, dude, how petty are you? Well, and then don't forget too, that, that, they made like a record and I think it was Stills and Young. The only the only album by the Stills Young band was supposed to be like everybody, but because Crosby and Nash oh. did something to piss them off, in like post, they edited out every single thing that Crosby and Nash had done <laughs> and then renamed the band as the Stills Young Band. Uh, like that geez. is fucking petty. Yeah. And it, what's crazy about this band is that normally with a band, you could blame like one, maybe two people for being idiots, but it's every band member. Every single one of them. Every band member. Yeah. Without a doubt. Like they all have done the same thing multiple times. And they've like reunited <sighs> here and there, like for like Live Aid, they reunited and and fought. And then, you know, like the <laughs> they put an album out in like 88. And it was shit, and they they fought during that. And I haven't listened to the '99 album yet, but I'm sure they were fighting then. It's just <laughs> like, dude, it's, it, these are inherent problems that that you just don't like working with somebody. You can be friends, but not like working with somebody, and that's fine. Then stop fucking working with that person. Yeah, stop doing. And then it. I, like I said before too, they Neil Young and David Crosby did an interview. I think just a year, not even a year ago. And they were asked about a reunion. They're like, "Yeah, we'll do it. Of course, we'll they have would. a reunion. Yeah, <laughs> fucking because they're, they're gluttons for punishment. They really are. That's seriously what. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what they are. Oi. <laughs> but anyway, carry carry on. Carry on. Uh, outside of what what we already talked about, I really love how this song turns into almost like a psychedelic jam at the bridge. It j- it really takes a huge huge turn. Uh, there's some great keys keyboard stuff that's being played with a guitar solo at that part it's really good and and from what i was reading too this is the this is a song that was written recorded and mastered all within eight hours so they literally did everything in eight hours yeah i think that's pretty cool one day pretty, 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 pretty cool pretty cool and it's cool <laughs> and then they had what 
it's 792 hours to record the rest supposedly of i mean there's a lot of yeah, who, no, I don't who fucking that. knows and there's no way this took 800 hours and then but i don't know i mean it was you know it was, it was produced by all four of them so maybe that 800 yeah, hours in their separate studios yeah exactly maybe that 800 hours <laughs> included like bickering time then maybe i could believe it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But I mean, dude, just like the fact that these four guys fought so much, but then self-produced this, and it still came out sounding better than most records of like the early seventies is just—it's unreal to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely unreal. And lyrically on this one, you know, it's from what I was reading, this is like them moving on from their relationship because the first record they were all in a relationship and. Had, or had wives or girlfriends or something. And then by the time they started recording this, they had all split from their significant other. So this is like um, like a rebirth of them as individuals. But then, you know, reading more about it, it really wasn't because they all fight with each other. It's like they're all in a relationship with one another. So they're, ah, dude, they're the worst. Yeah, they're they the fought like worst. they fought like a, like a four-way married couple. Yeah. And it's it's crazy because like like it was either this one or Four Way Street, but like David Crosby's girlfriend died. Like she got like in a car accident, oh, yeah, and fucking died. Right, yeah. And so there'd be times during like the recording session where he's you know he's like in his early twenties and they they were in a long term relationship and she suddenly died. And so there's there were times like during the recording, maybe it was during his solo album, but he would just like break down and like fucking cry and and just for like hours and and just mm-hmm. for no reason just because he wasn't emotionally developed enough to handle something like that who is yeah no it's true it's pretty devastating yeah and so it's just it's i don't know we we forget sometimes that these are people you know what i mean like we we rail into some of these guys constantly but like at this time they were in their early 20s but it's also been 50 years since this record came out and they're still (laughs) that's like they're still like i i I i understand i understand like you know being depressed and upset about a death but when you work with the four same four guys for 50 years come on man this is silly this is silly silly boy talk, boy that's, talk. What that's what it is it could they like, come on dude like when do you grow up yeah. oh gosh okay so that's that's all i got for carry on do you have anything else on this one no that's it round it out with everybody okay. i love you never <laughs> Uh, this is a very, very upbeat song. Uh, another song that's reminiscent of the Beatles, especially in the guitar playing. I heard a lot of the like George Harrison style leads in there. Um, some great bass playing too. Uh, it's it's a great song. It's honestly a great song. Yeah, I think the bass is probably my favorite part though. It's a solid rocker. I think it's a it's the perfect closer. It's cool. It's a faster paced mm-hmm. short song. You know, the lead guitar throws down a nice little solo, and it's, I think it's I think it's I think it's Stills doing background vocals sometimes, where he's like kind of yelling on the like the offbeat thing. Mm. I don't like that. I think it's annoying. But other than that, I think the song's fantastic. I just oh, that guy. Like I, I don't know what it is about that guy's voice. I just don't. I'm not a fan. I, no, I, I get it. He he is a much better guitar player than he is singer. That's for sure. He's dude. He is like fantastic at the guitar. Like I would, I would venture off to even say that just based off of what I have now heard, and 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 some live stuff that he has done, I like him, and I think he's better than Eric Clapton. Straight up, uh, maybe. Straight up. No, I don't know. That's maybe because aside maybe. from Tears from Heaven, I don't think Clapton can write 
a slow song, but even Tears from Heaven, like, God, he just churches it up so much. It's, dude, just relax. But it's so emotional, like, fuck, man. But, like, uh, I'm Clapton, so I have to fucking do so many hammer-ons and pull-offs and constantly fucking make a <laughs> complex song. Like, dude, just chill. So everybody I love, or everybody I love you, I mean, we, I mean, yeah. unless we want to play it's it, it's, yeah, that's right. it's a pretty straightforward, upbeat jam. Yeah. Uh, lyrically, it's just to me at least. He's talking about uh, he wants his girl to open up to him so he can love her more. That's really like like on an emotional, maybe even a sexual level. I don't know. But more on an emotional level, he just wants to get closer with his girl. Yeah. So that's it. I don't think it's very. I don't think it's a very deep song musically or lyrically. Much like well, our house is kind of a little bit deep, but this one is very face value. Take it face. Take it face value. Sure. It's fine. It's it's a, it's a solid closer. It's a good. What B is this for you? Uh, this is my eight B. Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good later B. I think it's I think it's I think it's out of all of these songs, it's the perfect closer. All right. So we have do we have anything else to say about this record? Should we give our final thoughts and our rating? Yeah. Let's let's uh, let's close it out. Okay. So we have our world famous three point rating system, where three is a perfect album. Two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to. One is a bad album, but give it a shot. And Zero is uh, just the worst thing you've ever heard in your life. So what would you give this album, Deja Vu, from Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young? Or what are your final thoughts and your rating? Go. What do you want to know? Do you want to know what I give it? Or do you want my, my final thoughts and then what I give it? I want, what do you want to do? Well, I mean, I, I did correct myself. I know, I did but say, I, I'm confused Give me now. your initial okay. thoughts. Or my give initial me thoughts? Or what do you want to do? Thoughts. Jesus Christ. <laughs> give me your, your words. <laughs> You know what I'm saying. Go. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't know what you're saying, but you know what I'm saying. I and you can hear what I'm saying. I it's it's remarkable that my acoustic guitar playing in my personal life for so long has revolved around song, folk songs, really, by Bob Dylan all the way up until like Chris Caraba, just anybody with an acoustic guitar. But I just I've and I just I don't know why I've never gotten into Neil Young. And I blame that just on on no one has told me to, to be honest. It's it's just like nobody's favorite artist is Neil Young. I just never I've never heard that before. So True. so I, I I wish I would have gotten him more earlier, more earlier, just earlier. Just you earlier. don't have to say more. Well, I I wish yeah. I wish I would have gotten into more, comma earlier, early. Okay, okay. It just yeah. it came out weird. Yeah. So you said it. Yeah. So I I, I you know I. Time has passed and, and whatever. So, not looking back on it, going into a lot of the Neil Young albums, I will say that I can I can name off like four Neil Young albums that I think are better than this. But this is still really, really good, and I think these are just four guys that came together at one time and did something fantastic. But I still think Four Way Street is better than this. But they did something truly unique, not just in like the songwriting, but I still think the recording of this. It's just it's it leaps and bounds better than a lot of things that came out of the early seventies, and it was just uh, I don't know like like a perfect storm, right? Because all these guys are just they have such big heads as they should be because coming from the birds in Buffalo Springfield at this time is 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 pretty big deal, pretty big deal stuff. Yeah. Like it's no joke. Pretty big. Deal it's stuff. pretty big deal stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's P D G G. P D G. Yeah. yeah. Pretty big deal stuff. Yeah. S with that's a hard one. That's a hard one. That's tough. So 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 so. 
cool. I I would probably you're out of your mind. I know. I I I probably do like a two point eight. I do I do I would do a two point eight with this. I do two point eight. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen. I do listen to this. I I I'm still in a very heavy like Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young phase, and I'm just I'm getting my hands on anything I can from these four guys and any of their side projects. Much like I do the Grateful Dead. The difference is this stuff is cheap. Like I (laughs) yeah I get their solo records for like dollars and they're always in like bins and 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 bulk buys that i get whereas the grateful dead stuff i'm paying a lot more so yeah it's because people are still interested in the grateful dead people aren't interested in this anymore well and and to be fair besides if you take neil young out of the equation crosby stills nash there is little to no complexity outside of maybe two (laughs) albums and that's that's david crosby for one and then that's about it actually so yeah, I I, <laughs> I I I love these guys. I think they they work really well together musically. I just wish that they could get over their own ego. But who knows? Maybe if they were really good friends, we wouldn't have such a a, a dynamic sounding record like this. I don't know. Oy. So two point A for you. So my final thoughts on this. I uh, I was blown away by this the first time I heard it. You said you gave this to me, or I mean, you got it for me. And uh, and you said you got to listen to it if you don't like it. You know, let me know. You don't have to pay for it. It's like $2. yeah, for for like for the people out yeah. there. Okay, <laughs> it's like you, you always say like yeah, for the people out there. <laughs> I I get a lot of really cheap records, and I I think that I listen to a lot of them, and I make Tyler listen to them. If you don't like, it, you don't have to pay for it. And when yeah. I say pay for it, yeah, it's like two or three dollars. It's not like a thirty dollar record. Yeah, it's it's like a two dollar record maybe. Or if you buy it in the store, you do get like ten fifteen dollars. <laughs> okay, guy. It's true. It's true. Uh, so I, I was very at, I was very, uh, just kind of didn't care. didn't have a lot of, a lot of, um, what am I trying to say? A lot of, uh, expectations well, uh, for this. Yeah. And uh, I was blown away. The first time I heard it, I was blown away and I loved it. And I've listened to it several, like many times since, but much like you, Neil Young, just Neil Young did it better. He was the best part of this group. I have not listened to other, other stuff outside of this because, I'm scared. I'm honestly, I'm I'm scared to listen to the other stuff, but especially without Neil Young. But uh, with that being said, uh, we touched upon so much of it. You know, the the stylings, the the production, the just how everyone worked together on this was just so fucking great. Uh, so with that, I'm gonna have to give this with our rating system. I'll have to give this a two point eight as well. It's not perfect because there should be more Neil Young. I feel like Neil Young should have been a higher priority on this one. He should have done a little bit more, but it's also, I also understand it's not really his band. He came in last. He came in late. Damn dude. I know he's the best part of this band that he didn't start. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of sad. Incredible. It it, it is. It is. And Graham Nash is just so underwhelming in so many ways. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got on this one. My, you know, final thoughts and rating. But you got anything else to say? That's it. That's all. Okay. So uh, thank you all for listening. Go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Ask 9 Radio. And uh, thanks for listening. That's it. That's all. I would never say that you're right and I'm wrong. I would never say that to you. I've said that to other people, but I would never say that to you. But I, I, I never realized that they don't switch off.
as much as I thought they would on a Crosby, Stills, Nut, Crosby, Stills, Nash, Nut. Young album. Nut. Nut. 